How many of us have ever thought about being persecuted for our faith? And, you know, around the world, there are millions and millions and millions of people who get persecuted, persecuted because they believe in Jesus Christ. You know, even in America here, we know that uh, Christianity has changed. The church in general has changed. Over the years, in the last um, 25 years, actually, Christianity in the United States has dropped by almost 30%. And so Christianity, it's weird because here in America, where we feel that we are a blessed country, right? And, and maybe more blessed, or we used to be more blessed than what we are now. But still, how many consider America one of the greatest countries ever? And, and so we see that even in this blessed country, why is it then has faith in God and Christianity uh, decreased? And it's not just, you know, non-denomination Christian churches, it's Catholics, it's, it's religion, Christianity in general. And so there's a number of different churches that fall under that, that fall into this persecuted. Now, other parts of the world where there is heavy persecution, do you know that faith is growing? In, in heavy, heavy persecution where people are being killed and martyr, martyred for their faith, they are being, their faith is exploding. And so it kind of reminds me that in the old days, when, when Jesus was here and he died and rose from the dead, how many of us know that after the disciples started to face persecution, what happened to the church? It exploded, right? And so sometimes for us as people, sometimes we don't do what we need to do until we get pushed a little bit. Sometimes we don't do what we're supposed to do until we get pushed a little bit. And we see that with, with Christianity today, with all the persecution, with everything that's going on, countries that face heavy persecution, they're growing. In this country, Christianity in general is shrinking. And there's a lot of different reasons. You know, there's a lot of young people who they would rather not believe in anything at all. There's a young people today who they do not want to believe. They don't want to associate with any religion. And so that is growing one of the number one things that young people, and even adults, and even coming out of COVID, that people, I'd rather just not relate to anything. It's interesting, though, because people don't want to relate to religion or God, but you can relate and be a cat. There was a person in, um, there were in the Midwest who they wanted to associate themselves as a cat, and they asked to bring a litter box to school. So... You know, we don't want to relate to religion, but we can be related to a cat, right? It shows you where our mindset is today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go into Genesis 39, and we're going to start in verse 19. Genesis 39, starting in verse 19, and I'll have it on the screen in one second. I'm getting there. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, I am so glad that you are my neighbor today. Even if it's an invisible neighbor... You want to tell them it's a visible neighbor? I'm so glad that you're my visible neighbor because you're the best invisible neighbor I've ever had as well. All right. Here we go. Genesis 39, starting in verse 19. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. And he showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you a favorite? Are you a favorite? Are you God's favorite? And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Verse 
40, or chapter 40, sorry, verse 1. It says, Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended the royal master. And Pharaoh became angry with these two officials. And so he put him in prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. And they remained in prison for quite some time. And the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. Verse 5, while they're in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. And when Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams, it's God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. Verse 9, so the chief cupbearer told Joseph his first dream, and he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes while holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand. So I took a cluster of grapes, and I squeezed the juice into the cup, and then I placed the cup into Pharaoh's hands. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Verse 13, within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore your position as his chief cup bearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison. But I did nothing to deserve it. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. And in my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. Verse 17. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. And he said, this is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. And three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up, your body on a pole, and the birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. And he summoned his chief cupbearer and the chief baker to join the other officials. Last few verses. Verse 21, he then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. And Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. And so this morning as we paint the picture of Joseph and, and just being in his mind, how could you ever, ever want to go through some of the things that this young man had to go through as a young individual. Growing up, he was well-loved, right? And that's how all of us want to grow up. You know, the first four years of life, we know that 90% of the personality comes in the first four years of life. And so he was well-loved by father. He was well-loved by daddy. And so he got a very strong personality. But at the same time, he was well-loved, he was well-hated. Well-loved and well-hated. And so for this young man, he begins on this crazy journey, and he gets stripped of his coat and his authority and his dignity. He gets thrown into a pit. He gets sold off to distant cousins, his third cousins, once removed. He gets sold off by his cousins. He gets sold over to somebody in Egypt where he begins at the bottom. He's a slave. So he goes from the top of his household to the bottom, and he's a slave, and he's working on the bottom, and he's cooking, and he's cleaning, and he's serving, and he's attending. He's doing all these things. We know that he gets tempted, and he denies the temptation. He gets lied about. The story gets covered up. And he did the right thing. And even though he did the right thing, what happened? He got thrown in jail. 
And here's this man, you have to wonder as this young man, what would be going through his head? And I have to wonder, you know, as he's sitting in prison, you know, was he singing the blues? Was he, was he you know, singing his favorite song? I wonder what kind of thoughts he started to, to the start thinking about. Was he, did he get reminded of when he was, you know, in the pit, when his brothers threw him in the pit? Did he start thinking, you know, back to those days, you know, months before when he was, when he was thrown into a pit and he was dark and it was dirty and it was, you know, dusty down there. But now he's in a different pit and he's in, the, in a dungeon, in a prison. He's in the lowest of lows, the lowest part of his life. I have to think for him. He's thinking, what have I done wrong? What, what did I do to deserve this, right? I am a sweet, handsome, young man. What did I do to, for all the horrible things that have been done to me? What was it that I did? You know, did I have a bad mom and dad and I'm paying for their sins? I mean, I have to start to think for him. He's starting to have so many questions. Why me? Why did I deserve this? Why? What did I do wrong? Why am I here? Why am I with these people? How did my life take such a weird turn? Why? Why do people hate me? Why do people lie about me? Why do so many people want to see me fail? And I have to wonder for a second... Did he ever put himself into a mental prison? Did he ever sign himself up to be into a, a mental prison? If you Google that, it means a person who has negative thoughts and addicted to negative thinking. Most who are not aware that they are thinking negative. Did he find himself for a brief moment in a mental prison? Did he find himself thinking negatively about himself, even about God? about his family or his brothers? Did he find himself in a mental prison and again where a person thinks and dwells so negatively all the time without being aware? Did he find himself in that for a minute? Or maybe did he find himself in an emotional prison, overwhelmed with grief, overwhelmed with maybe I should have did things differently. Maybe, maybe I should have been nicer to my brothers so they didn't want to beat me up. I wonder for, for a minute the feelings and love, was he thinking about his brothers and in this prison did he start to think about maybe I shouldn't narc them off. You know, maybe I should have just gone along with the flow. Maybe I should have just did what my older brothers do and got in trouble like they did. And I wonder how many thoughts and how many feelings did Joseph go through in prison. And so we take a step back and say, have I ever been in a mental prison myself? Have I ever been in a spot where I think so negatively all the time? I'm not even aware of the negative thoughts that happen. Because they say most people spend 80% of their day being negative. Or do I ever find myself in an emotional prison where my feelings, my emotions are so out of whack. Everything is so overwhelming. I have locked myself up, my doubts, my fears, the past experiences, the negative thoughts, the negative attitude, and my emotions at so high powered. Are they so over and in control of me? Have we ever been there? For Joseph, I don't know if he was in a mental prison, and I don't know if emotionally if he was where he was at. But I do know one thing. It says God was with Joseph. It's not where Joseph wanted to be. It's not where he ever wanted to be. Have you ever found yourself, it's not where I want to be. This is not where I want to be. He was in prison. It's not where I want to be. But who did he find in prison? He found God. And it said that God was with him 
God was with Joseph. Whatever he did, whatever he set out to do, even in the dark dungeon where it is horrible, where it is gross, where he is, he's probably thinking, this is the end of my life. I'm going to spend the rest of my life here in prison. What did he do? He found God. No matter where we go in life, no matter what happens to us, you know, we all have to, whether it's good, whether it's rainbows, or whether it's dark and like in a prison, we all have to surround ourselves like Joseph did in this story. No matter where I am, God will be there also. No matter where I go, God will be there also. Now sometimes, how many of us know as people, we can be picky. Now one thing about our, our taste buds, turn to your neighbor and say, how's your taste buds? One thing about our taste buds, how many of us have seen that over time taste buds change? When I was young, I didn't like peas. I thought they were devil. I thought it was the devil's fruit. But now they're okay. When I was young, I didn't like coffee, right? But now I'm older, and I do like coffee. When I was younger, if, it, if I was going to have coffee, I had to have cream and sugar for sure, right? Now I can drink it black, and it's just as delicious black as it is white, right? And so my taste buds have changed. How many of us have seen... Our taste buds change. And how many of us have seen through our taste buds? Sometimes we can be a little picky where we go eat, where we go drink, right? Now, sometimes this carries into our Christianity. See, what we do is, without realizing it, God, you're going to follow me where I go. Instead of the other way around is, God, I need to follow where you want me to go. See, because we get so many choices today, and there's so much freedom in this country that we live in that if you want to come into church on a Sunday morning, you still can. 20 years from now, we're not sure if that's going to be the case. 20 years from now, you could be in jail for reading your Bible. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it will happen here in America. We have become so used to our freedom that I think, you know what we do? We abuse it a little bit. We abuse that freedom, and sometimes it turns our thoughts even to try and direct God a little bit. No matter where I go, God... You're going to follow behind me. Does it work like that? Or should it be the other way around and, God, I need to follow wherever you want me to go? Now, Joseph, we see in this story, that's what I love about this story, did Joseph pick to go to jail? Did he pick to be thrown into a pit? But what did he do? He rolled with all the punches. And no matter where he was, no matter what happened to him, what did he do? He still continued to thrive because of his attitude, his faithfulness, and his obedience to God to say no, his obedience to God to continue to do the right thing. I love how Joseph, as he's sitting there and he's in jail, it says that two men were thrown in jail for the offended the Pharaoh. Now, of course, Pharaoh's the boss, right? He's, he's the one in charge. But they offended their boss and they were thrown in jail. Can you imagine can you imagine working for somebody, and let's say you just use a dad joke that's awful. Not, not saying anybody dad jokes are awful. But let's say you say a dad joke to your, to your boss, and he found that offensive, and he throws you in jail. This is where these two guys, the cupbearer and the baker, found themselves. Whatever they did. Maybe they spilt a little wine on them. Maybe the pastry was a little hard and crispy and it wasn't soft and juicy. Didn't have fresh strawberry jam oozing out of it, right? Maybe it just wasn't perfect, but they offended him. And sometimes we don't realize that in our offenses, kind of like in this story, 
that we ourselves can put ourselves into our own prison by being offended, but we also put the other person in, in a prison because they offended us. That's why Paul says, Colossians 3.12, God chose you to be holy people. He loves. Clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Here's a big one. Make allowance. Now this isn't, he didn't say give allowance. Take out your wallet and give your allowance. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I can't imagine being thrown in prison for, for being offensive. But one day it could happen. You know, as our world changes and as motions, people today, they're so emotionally charged. I don't know if you know this, but there are people who don't want to go to work. They emotionally just don't feel like it. There are people who are high-paid directors, actors, and if I have an anxiety attack, I'm just not going to go. There are people who emotionally, my emotions will dictate and determine everything I do every day. How many of us know, this is the beauty of, of you know, like grandma and grandpas, where how many of us heard stories, I had to walk 15 miles in the snow that was up to my shoulders just to get to school. How hard was life back then compared to what we have now? How difficult did they have it compared to what we have now? And you know what? You know what's happened? I think sometimes we've made it so easy on ourselves and we've made it so easy for our kids that anything difficult, we tap out. Anything difficult, anything hard, we tap out. Because we know our parents and their parents, when life was tough, what did they do? The tough got going. But today, that's not the case. We have emotionally charged ourselves. We've emotionally charged our kids. We have emotionally charged society around this world in the United States. Whatever I feel, this is what goes. So let me ask you a question. Do we ever let our feelings get out of control? If I feel this morning that I wanted to be a cat, what would you say to me? <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. And if I change my mind, I want to be a dog a minute later. What are you going to say? <laughs> How crazy would you think if every day I want to change who I am? But yet, the society is full of people who are doing that. And what do we do? We stand out back and be quiet. People, their feelings and emotions change, sometimes by the second, by the moment, by the day, by the week. And though they may not want to be a cat, and though they might not want to be a dog, they're letting their emotions get the best of them. And what do we do? We stand by and we be silent. Emotionally driven people today, life is too easy and we've made it too easy. We have to be careful what we're doing to ourselves, what we're doing to our kids, because it's not like Grandma's Day. It's not like walking through the snow. It's not like the car broke down and I got to walk 10 miles to get to school. Oh, well, I'm just going to do it. Because if our car broke down today and we couldn't get to school, what's the kid going to do? He's just going to stay home, right? We're tapping out way too easy today. And how many of us are tapping out in situations? Joseph, and we know that this goes back a few thousand years ago, did he found himself tapping out through all these hard situations or did he keep on doing the wrong thing? And I wonder this morning... 
You know, because for the kids, the level of college kids who are turning their backs on God and they're turning their back on religion and faith in God, for people who are saying, I just don't know if I believe anymore, for people who, I just don't know if I like church anymore, for I don't know if I like God anymore, I don't know if I like, you know, Christian brothers and sisters anymore, they're just as bad as everybody else, there's more divorces in the church than out of the church, there's all this junk that happens in the church that happens out of the church, there's no difference anymore. And so how many people are questioning God today more than ever? So many people questioning God. And sometimes what we realize is we start to question the people. We don't question the people, but we start to have the same questions of those we hang around. Sometimes the people that we hang around, the people that we listen to, we start to have the same doubts and questions, right? For these two young men who offended their boss, they get thrown in prison. They started daydreaming in prison. And if any one of us had to go to prison, I'm sure all of us would start to daydream, right? If you were in the dungeon and you had rat for dinner tonight and you had rat for dinner tomorrow, I am sure you would start to think this is prime rib. I don't care. You know, it's food. How many of us, if we were in prison as well, we would start to daydream and start having dreams. And so these two men in the story, they have a dream and they go to Joseph and he notices. Here's so what's cool about Joseph. He had such an awareness and compassion. Even though he was going through a hard time in his life and he's in prison and life stinks and it's horrible and it's stinky down here and they don't have deodorant and I can't shave my face and I can't do all these things and my clothes are stinky. There's no, you know, washer and dryer, all those things. He still found time to be compassionate for these two young men. He looks at them and says, I can tell something's wrong. I can tell. I can tell something's bothering you. And so he asked them what was bothering them. And they said, listen, we had a two dreams last night, and we are not sure what they mean. And Joseph, the second thing I like about what he said in the story is he looked at them and he knew something's wrong. Secondly, he didn't say, oh, I got this. I can, I can interpret dreams for you. What did he say? It's God's business to interpret dreams. Let me help you. He didn't say it's my business. He didn't say it's my duty. Sometimes we want to take the credit for what God does. None of us in here are like that. Other people. God's business to interpret dreams. And I love how this story starts to go. And he interprets the first guy's dream. And how many of us know if you are the chief cupbearer, you're excited, three more days, that's cool, and I'm out of here. Yes, I get to go be back with my boss. I get to give him wine. I get to taste a little wine before I give to the boss so he doesn't die. Life is going to be wonderful and amazing. And he's so excited. And there's such a buildup in this moment. Because there's one man who's starting to think life is going to go back to normal, back to the way it was. And so I have to start to think for the chief baker who's thinking, oh, I can't wait to hear mine. Oh, it's going to be so good. If this guy's going back in three days, maybe I'm going back in two days, right? Maybe I'm going to get promoted, right? I have to think for a moment there was some excitedness and some passion and, and maybe a tiny bit of anxiety like, oh, man, he got a good word, so I'm going to get a good, good word too. I have to think for this guy, he is thinking, I am so excited. I'm next. But I'm going to know sometimes the truth hurts. For one man, he was promoted and elevated back to his old job. But for the other guy in the story, he died. And we have no idea what he did. To be that man and to be Joseph, you know, in, in prison, maybe he's thinking, who cares? It's not like this guy can kill me right now. I'm going to give him good news, but I'm also going to give him some bad news. God sometimes needs you to deliver bad news. The truth sometimes to people actually sounds like bad news. 
2 Timothy 4.1 says, I urge you in the presence of God, who someday judge the living and the dead, when, it comes, when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word, tell the truth, be prepared, whether it's favorable or not. Correct, rebuke, and encourage people with good teaching. And so for Joseph in this story, he finds himself giving good news and some not so good news. Some things that were very, very difficult. And God's put us on this planet to share the, what? Truth. Whether it sounds good or not. Joseph turns to him and he says, remember me. You know what I like about this? He's a little forgetful. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you forgetful? Because you know what, the, the, you know what he said? He said, I was kidnapped. I was kidnapped. His brothers his family. He says, I was kidnapped and I want to go home. Would you want to go home? If your brothers threw you in a pit and sold you off as a slave, would you want to go home to see those little devils again? He says, I was kidnapped. Remember me because I want to go home. I'm a Hebrew and I'm not supposed to be here. What does that mean? What does that show you? He had already forgiven them. He had already forgiven his brothers. Even though he had brothers who beat him up, stripped him of his coat, his dignity, his authority, even though his brothers made fun of him, even though his brothers threw him in a pit and then sold him off, by this point in his life, you know what he did? He forgave them. I want to go home. Remember me because I want to go home. Remember me because I shouldn't be here. But even though he told them to remember, you know you know what happens when you start drinking wine? You forget things, right? And the chief cupbearer, he was having a little too much fun. It says he forgot about Joseph, and he said he never thought about him again. And so this morning we start to pull us all together, and we started thinking about Joseph, and we've been in this Joseph theme and all that his life means. But what does his life mean compared to our life? And so we ask ourselves, as Joseph, have we ever been in a situation where we feel so loved? Have we ever been in a situation where we feel so hated all at the same time? Have we ever been in a situation where our friends or strangers or enemies have pushed us off and cast us off? Have we ever been in a situation where we've been lied about? Even though we do the right thing and say the right thing and be the right thing, how many of us have we ever been in Joseph's situation where we feel like we pay for doing the right thing? pay for even saying no. I know I'm not supposed to do this. And so Joseph, we know that he paid for being a credible, a man of character. Have any of us this morning ever felt like we've been in a mental prison, an emotional prison? Can any part of our story be relatable to what Joseph went through in the Bible? Is there anything in all your life, in anything that you've ever gone through with family, with friends, is there anything that you have ever felt that you feel that you can relate to Joseph this morning. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews that we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses. And so there's men and women who've gone before us. Joseph is one of those guys. He has gone before you. Joseph became a man who conquered, right? Joseph became a man who did great things. King David has gone before you. And we know that David, he killed his giants Made a couple mistakes along the way, but King David was a man after God's own heart. He's gone before us to be an example. We know Father Abraham, who had many, many, many sons. Father Abraham, this great man of faith who would follow God and go anywhere God asked me, anything he wants me to do, even if he asked me to sacrifice my son. 
He believed in God so much that he was willing to sacrifice his own son. He's gone before you to relate to us, to our life, to glean from what's in here in the Bible. This Bible, it's not just a book. It's a story of real people in real places that are here to inspire us. And so this morning as we've looked at Joseph and we've been in Joseph and we have one more Sunday with Joseph, we ask ourselves, as I pull it to go together and as I think about his life and as I think about his life, what's, what's relatable to mine? Now here's some questions for Joseph. Was Joseph where he wanted to be? Absolutely not. Was Joseph where he deserved to be? No. Did Joseph get to pick his own path or did somebody pick the path for him? Somebody picked it for him. Right? How many of us remember these sayings? We are in the world, but we're not of the world. How many of us know that we're the light of the world and we wouldn't need light if it wasn't dark out? What did Joseph do in the prison? He turned the light on. What did Joseph do in some of the darkest, dungeonest, grossest place in the world? He flipped the light switch. I'll be the good guy here. God, I got this. God, I'm going to be the light in this darkness. God, I'm going to be the light when it's so gross out there. We see that Joseph used his gifts and his talents, not where he wanted to, but he used his gifts and talents where God had placed him. He was used in a jail to interpret dreams. My talents... He realized they're not for him, but they were to serve people no matter where I go, no matter what I do. All leading up and everything that Joseph went through, everything that he went through, what did it do? It prepared him for what was coming next. Today my title is called The Story of the In-Between. And how many of us know in life, it's our nature, it's our human nature. When we start a job, do we want to start at the bottom or would we prefer to start a little ways up? Most of us, we don't want to start at the bottom, right? If we're going to go work at a restaurant, I'm not going to wash dishes. It's dirty. It's gross. It's disgusting, right? Anywhere we go and anything that I do, what is our normal human being nature and tendencies? I don't want to start here. Can I start somewhere here? Most of us, we want to bypass what God wants to take us through so that we become better leaders instead of what's in between. Joseph didn't have that luxury. He had to go through some of the most horrific things. But what it did to him is it prepared him. What did it do for Joseph? It tested him. It tried him. It stretched him. But through it, the all and everything that he went through at the end of the day, what did it do? It made him the great man and great leader he was becoming. Some of us, we despise hard things. Some of us, we despise hard situations. Some of us, we despise going through God's testing that he'll put us through and stretching. But it's the very thing that God's trying to use to make us better. Are any of us in here perfect and complete? Are any of us, we have reached Jedi level 10 and we're at the top? Why? Because God isn't done with you. And God wants to take you from where you are even to become even better in your character, in your faith. In, in being a trustworthy person. But in order for him to get you from here to here, there's no jumping. There's no taking leaps. It's what we have to go through everywhere in between. And so for Joseph, the story of his in-between, it was rough, but he survived. And so this morning I'm going to close with a couple of verses. And the first one is Isaiah 40:28, And it says this, Have you never heard, have you never understood, 
The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. God never grows weak and he never grows weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. God gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired, and even young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord, also translated those who wait on the Lord, will find new strength. Joseph had to wait a number of years before he got to see his dream fulfilled. How many of us have had to wait for something? How many of us had to wait on somebody, on, on someone? They will find new strength. They'll soar high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And so th closing thoughts this morning. Sometimes we have to take a step back and look within and look up. Sometimes we have to check ourselves before we start checking other people. Sometimes we have to push ourselves to keep reading, listening, and most importantly, obeying God's word no matter what situation we're in. To look within, to look up, to check myself before I check somebody else, to keep reading, listening, but most importantly, obeying. How many of us have learned that we have to keep our pride in check because all of us at different times can deal with pride. We have to learn to keep our feelings in check. No matter, it's not about what I don't have, but it matters who has me. It's not about what I have, it's not about what I don't have, but it's about what I do, and that's God. God is always enough. For Joseph in this story, as we get ready to wrap up, he was in a broken situation, but God took the brokenness and he made it whole. For Joseph, who went through so many hard things, God elevated him and he made him the leader of Egypt, the second in charge above everybody else. Through Joseph, people's lives, countless lives were saved all around the country and other countries were saved because one man was willing to do what nobody else. Because how many of us know, a lot of us today, we tapped out. Joseph did it. He went through it. And what are you going through today? What's God trying to put you through today? What is God testing? What is God leading? Matthew 7, 24, anyone who listens to my teaching, they follow it, is wise, like a person who builds a house on a rock. Though the rain comes, torrents and floodwaters rise, and the woods beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on the rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on the sand. When the rains and floods come and the woods beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. No matter where you go, no matter what happens this week, Jesus said, listen and then follow. Listen and then follow. Does that mean we're going to screw up? Yep. Does that mean we're going to say something we shouldn't say? Absolutely. Right? Does that mean we're going to do something, hopefully not too majorly gross or disgusting, that we shouldn't do? Maybe. But no matter what we do this week, set as your goal, I'm going to listen and follow wherever he leads me this week. Just this week. Right? Just this day. May I do what he's called me to do. We're going to pray so if you can close your eyes or you can keep your eyes open. However you feel comfortable, even if you want a litter box, we are here for you this morning. Meow, right, Joel? God, we come to you this morning. God, we're thankful. God, and, and we're so 
God, amazed at your word. We're amazed at the life of Joseph and everything that he went through and everything, God, that was tested and stretched in this young man's life. And he didn't bend and he didn't break. If he did, we didn't see it. God, but everything that he was willing to go through to keep his head up, to keep looking up, to keep doing the right thing, to be used by you, to use his gifts, to use his talents, even when he was in a dungeon, to turn on the light, to be the light of the world in a very dark place. God, we thank you that he's an example to us and he's gone before us and that his life can speak to us today. God, we pray that you would be with us this week. God, no matter where you lead, no matter where you guide, help us to follow you and be obedient to your word. God, helps us to be loving, kind, graceful, forgiving, all the things that your word teaches us. God, help us to step out. God, and help us to find one person to share your word with this, this week. God, help us this week to use the gifts and talents that you place within us to be the light. God, to lead people so that other people can find you and glorify you and see how awesome and amazing you are, God, by the gifts and talents that you've placed inside of us. God, I pray that you would help us, God, to not get stuck on what people are doing and what they're not doing. God, but help us to only be stuck on you this week. God, help us not get stuck on what we don't have or in places that we don't want to be. God, but help us to be completely stuck on you. God, we love you. We praise you. God, we thank you for church. God, we thank you for the opportunity to stand, to be able to read your word publicly. Just pray that you go before us, God, that your Holy Spirit, God, would inspire us this week. God, help us to find time to listen this week. God, help us to find time to read this week. Help us to find time to study and read the Bible more than we did last week. God, help us to spend time this week just listening for your Holy Spirit. To a friend, to a counselor, to our teacher. God, you've given us two ears and one mouth. They're reminded to listen. And sometimes we all fail at that, God. Help us this week to listen. God, even when it's silent, to listen. And this morning with your eyes closed, if you were to just think about this story today that we shared and all the things that we talked about, and if you were to ask yourself, I'm listening, God, what's the one thing that you are sticking? What is the one thing, like a sticky note that you're posting on my heart? God, is there one thing that you're stirring in my life, God, through the word today? God, what is that one thing that you're stirring inside of me? God, I pray that you would stir up the gifts that are inside of us. May we be bold this week. Protect our families. Provide for our families. Be with us everywhere we go. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.